Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. From the age of nine, Gabrielle Podvoiskis was obsessed with the TV program Xena, Warrior Princess. I was just completely Xena, all Xena all the time. So I'm very lucky that I still have friends because they were very patient. Gabrielle and her sister Rose knew right from the first viewing that Xena and sidekick Gabrielle were made just for them. The fact that it, there's a character with my name was just like another thing that made me feel like, oh, it's for me, this is for me, I could be this character. And I used to wear my hair the way that Gabrielle wears hers in the show, and it was, it was quite embarrassing in lots of ways. Like Gabrielle says, she was all Xena all the time. Yeah, I don't think it's much fun to be around someone who's constantly wanting to reference Greek mythology or constantly talking about the greater good, but I loved it, and I just wanted to be immersed in it. More than 20 years after the show debuted, more than a dozen years after it was cancelled, inhabitants of the Xenoverse can still ask themselves the question, what would Xena do? <laughs> so I remember having a video with a bracelet with that on it. Kia ora. I'm Justin Gregory, this is Eyewitness, and we're talking Xena, Warrior Princess. Groundbreaking TV series, inspirational character, and impetus for a revolution in local TV production. Nineteen ninety-five, Auckland, New Zealand, is the shooting location for not just one but two American fantasy TV shows. Hercules: The Legendary Journeys, set in ancient Greece, kinda, is a year into a successful six-season run. Kiwi actor Lucy Lawless had signed on for a three-episode arc in the show as a vicious warlord named Xena, who's persuaded to change her ways. The producers, Renaissance Pictures, saw potential there, but as a more complex, nuanced and mortal character than the always-good, half-god, half-man Hercules. At a best friend called Gabrielle, played by Renee O'Connor, and in September 1995, Xena, warrior princess, set out on a journey of redemption, doing good and kicking ass. She was different and people noticed it right away, not just nine-year-olds either. I think I had heard or read somewhere there was a bit of a buzz about it as getting a bit of a feminist and a bit of a lesbian following. Carolyn Skelton was a New Zealand academic living in Sydney. The scenery really caught my attention. I thought, well, that looks a lot like One Tree Hill. And then it came up at the end saying it was filmed in New Zealand. And what intrigued me, I think, after having been away from New Zealand for over two decades, was what had changed that a program that is creating a buzz about gender roles, sexuality, and that is being filmed in New Zealand. What's happened to the industry that they're filming overseas programs in New Zealand? So that caught my attention. So much so that Carolyn would spend years writing her PhD thesis on Xena, asking questions about location, identity, and how the TV show connected with its fans. Because Xena happened at an interesting time. 
The internet was just finding its feet, and fans of the show began talking to each other there about what they were watching. This community, the Xenoverse, may well have been the first to be born on the web, rather than migrating there. And Carolyn began to explore. And I found this whole community, like for American fans, she was seen as something totally different from what they had previously seen on television or film in terms of a female character, that she was more down-to-earth. As one fan put it, you know, I don't care if I break a fingernail, she'd throw herself into the part. Characters that they hadn't seen before had a kind of empowered, relatable characters. There were different factions on the internet as well, so there was the lesbian subtext fans, there were feminists. And there was a nine-year-old girl in Christchurch called Gabrielle. Her uncle Chet, who lived in the States, would send her episodes of the show on video. We'd get them earlier and I always felt incredibly smug about that. And so we'd open up this huge box that arrived and pull it open and there'd be a whole half a season or a season of Zena there and then run through, put it in the um, tape player and that would be us for the rest of however long it took us. Gabrielle was young, she was beginning to wonder about the world and she was ready for a big influence on her life. Zena was it. I just remember seeing this kind of woman who seemed so powerful and so present for a 10-year-old who was living in Christchurch and not really sure you know, what was out there in the world. It seemed like such a powerful kind of image, giving me this idea of, I guess, what a woman could be like, um, apart from in relationships with men or you know, apart from being the sidekicks of men. I loved it so much and I was obsessed with it and it, it made me different. It, it, like, it made me feel like I had this kind of secret world and the secret connection with things that were quite powerful and quite important. So it was quite a big part of my, I think, personality formation. Just as powerful was the connection the show built with her faraway uncle. You know how you have, like, love languages? This was how he showed us that we were in connection and that he cared about us because we didn't see him. I'd never met him in the country before I was born. But this is something that we bonded over and that we all kind of had as a shared language. And so when we had these conversations on the phone every sort of month or two months. And it could be quite awkward if you don't know the person that well and you're trying to have this conversation, but we had something to talk about. That's another reason why it felt so important to me. So Xena was different to other American shows, and it looked different too. Carolyn Skelton says for the first couple of seasons, most of the money was being spent on Hercules, so the Xena team had to work smarter. They used 16mm cameras. These were cheaper, smaller, but also make the, the whole shooting much more mobile, attaching cameras to, to stunt pe- doubles' feet, but also lighting that was different, so they didn't have the firepower with the lighting. So uh, Donnie Duncan was the cinematographer and one of the main cinematographers in the early days, and a very good lighting director, I understand, who kind of developed ways of using small lights that it had a sort of darker kind of feel about it and bouncing life off ceilings of studios and things to to make up for the lack of firepower. So it created a different kind of look to it. So again, it was about changes in technology and the way TV was starting to be made. International television was becoming more connected and there was more shooting overseas, more co-productions. And the technologies were enabling it, but there was a distance and time lag where things could be a bit more looser and not totally under the control of the American producers. But if there was a slight delay in the producers talking to the show, there wasn't any delay between fans talking to each other. And there was one question they kept asking. Were Zena and Gabrielle more than just friends? 
In the absence of a definitive answer, the Xenoverse provided plenty of their own. They started talking back to the show, on forums, via email, and in fan fiction. And the show listened. Just as they were canny enough to embrace the positive qualities of using Kiwi crews and actors, so they allowed the Xenoverse to somewhat shape Xena. The subtext became far less subtextual, and one fan was even asked to write two episodes. Xena, Warrior Princess, became huge. Lucy Lawless and Renee O'Connor were stars. Xena screened in more than 100 countries. There were animated films, books, card games, role-playing games, video games, box sets, Emmy Awards, merchandise. Quite a lot of it purchased by Gabrielle Podvoiskas. And inevitably, with success came more money, and the DIY look of Xena was replaced with very high production values. Not all fans enjoyed the changes, but the show stayed popular, and over six seasons, Xena's journey of redemption took her through time and across Greece, Italy, Britain, India, Siberia, Egypt, and China. But in Japan, though, it all came to an end. This is actor Michelle Ang. So I played a character called Akemi, but Akemi was someone who came into Xena's life really, really early on when she was sort of like pre-good princess warrior and then sort of returns again at the end for to sort of close off the storytelling of Xena sort of when she's a much older and wiser and more mature warrior princess. Xena had been cancelled. Michelle was there for the final two episodes. Even as as a newcomer to the series I could sense that there was that extra special level of care and that sort of recognition that this you know this was kind of a last hurrah so everyone putting in that extra mile um, I think that also the last two episodes really were, were quite unusual for the world of storytelling for Xena, for better or for worse. I know sometimes the fans found that um, difficult, but um, I think the crew really just threw their all into it because it was like a celebration. I don't know if you can have a spoiler 17 years after a show ends, but anyway, Xena dies and she decides to stay dead for reasons that weren't wholly satisfying to a lot of her fans. A lot of the people who had followed it felt like it hadn't been closed to their satisfaction or felt sort of a bit peeved that they'd taken such a strange direction to end the storyline. You know, it's so hard. When you've created such a wonderful world and following and people really feel like they sort of understand the fabric of the series, it's really hard to end it in a way that pleases everyone. And when the fans sort of feel like they know the characters better than, than the writers, you know, maybe maybe that's exactly what the showrunners play into. You know what? Maybe you didn't know your favourite quite as well. Maybe we left a little surprise for the very, very end. <laughs> But all things end, including the obsession of a girl from Christchurch. Gabrielle Podvoiskas got older, she got interested in other things, but if Xena was no longer a daily obsession, it was always there for her to go back to. Thinking back to when I broke up with my first boyfriend, and I was so, so sad and everything, I sort of retreated to Xena, and I remember just sitting in my room and having Xena on, and it just felt like a, you know, it feels like a comfort, somebody returns you to yourself and to things that feel safe and feel like you. Gabrielle feels that Xena taught her a lot, especially about what a friend could be. The power of relationships to be healing, the power of having someone who really believes in you and someone who's your ally. And in Xena, that was such a core of the show. But for me, I'm lucky because the friendships I made when I was the most obsessed with Xena, I still have them now. They're still like my best friends. I wanted to make those for myself because of Xena. There was one relationship that didn't make it through to today, though. Gabrielle's uncle Chet, who started her Xena obsession, was already sick when he started sending the videos to her. And he passed away before Gabrielle had a chance to sit with him and tell him as an adult 
how much the connection he had made meant to her. I wish I got the chance to talk to him more about it. Almost every year there's a rumour of a reboot, but so far nothing. And you have to wonder if a campy, darkly funny fantasy show could find a place now, or if a Xena moment could happen again. Michelle Ang thinks part of the legacy is in the modern New Zealand TV industry. International in its outlook, excellent in its execution, and not afraid to look beyond the obvious. I think Xena really sort of taught or showed that us Kiwis can make really high-value productions down here. We can very successfully pull off something that on an elevated worldwide stage is not only palatable but, like, beautiful and and groundbreaking and watchworthy. I feel like that's, like, the legacy of Xena. They've done the same thing, really leaned into the fact that it's fantasy and utilised the multiculturalness of our talent here and been really liberated and free in their casting and just choosing the best actors for the role. And, of course, the legacy is there in the fans. It's in Gabrielle Podvoiskis, who works today with children as a play therapist. I got the idea that I could maybe make a difference from Xena, that big focus on Xena in terms of, like, one person can make a difference, you can change things, is kind of linked. We had a prowler once in our house, outside our house and my mum opened the window and yelled out, you need to get out of here. My daughter knows kickboxing. She loves Zena. She'll kill you. Which was, like, ridiculous, obviously. I'd be quite a different person if it wasn't for Zena. I think I'm never going to stop loving (laughs) Zena and what Zena sort of stands for. This episode of Eyewitness was produced by me, Justin Gregory. It was engineered by Alex Aylett McMillan, Rangi Powick, and Blair Stagpole. Tim Watkin is the executive producer. You can subscribe free to Eyewitness and every other RNZ podcast at Apple, Spotify, or by clicking on the big green button on our webpage at rnz.co.nz. And in the next Eyewitness, Eva Corlett takes us back to the beginning of an overseas worker scheme that helped a struggling fruit industry go from rot to riches. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.